from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, here at Black Hat. Good morning, everyone tuning in live. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Rumble. Good morning, everyone. It's It really is an early morning here, by the way. It's 6 a.m. here in Black Hat, and, and yesterday was a very, very long day with some great conversation to be had and a lot of flight delays. I, I got to tell you something. On the flight delay side, what is going on with these flight delays? I haven't, in the last month, every time I've traveled, I've been caught by some sort of delay somewhere. Never canceled, thankfully, but always delayed. And yesterday's delay pushed us back a little bit, but we're able to meet with uh, and, and create some awesome content uh, with Blind Spot Security and Adaptive Shield. Really excited about that. That'll be coming out real soon. I'll be doing some reels from uh, their booth uh, and, and their locations tomorrow while we're uh, while we're roaming the floor here at Black Hat. So really, really exciting stuff. So good morning, everyone tuning in. I don't have my traditional cup of espresso. It's 6 a.m. in Vegas. I couldn't find any place that has espresso this early in the morning. Uh, only had black coffee. So uh, please join me in a coffee cup. Cheers. I've got water this morning. That'll, you know, that, that'll power me through this morning's episode here. So coffee cup cheers, y'all. Let's go ahead and start with our patch Tuesday recap. Microsoft patching 33 uh, different vulnerabilities on across affected products and a defense in-depth update to block the attack chain. Redmond's security response team said the pre-patch mitigation stopping, stopping the attack chain leading to the Windows Search security feature bypass vulnerability, CVE 2023-36884, that's being abused by Russian spies and cyber criminals, is now patched. The defense in-depth update is not a vulnerability, but installing this update stops the attack chain. The company also updated the CVE 2023-36884 bulletin with additional documentation on the security bug, providing security fixes for affected office installation. In an unusual move, Microsoft warned that skilled attackers are using specially crafted office documents to launch targeted code execution attacks. That's been there as well. The office patches and mitigation headline by a busy patch Tuesday provided fix for approximately 75 security defects in the Microsoft Windows ecosystem. According to the ZDI, the Zero Day Initiative, y'all, uh, a company that tracks security updates this month patched over vulnerabilities in Edge, Chromium, Exchange Server, Office and Office Components, .NET and Visual Studio, ASP.NET, Azure DevOps, and HD Insight Teams and Windows Defender. All of those got that. 30 security defects are in the critical level advisory for Microsoft, so you want to make sure you prioritize those as you're getting ready to address them. Adobe, for its part, also rolled out a big patch of security updates for its flagship Acrobat and Reader software, patching at least 30 different vulnerabilities that affect the Windows and Mac OS installation. The software maker documented at least 30 defects, uh, 30 security defects in a critical level advisory and warned that successful exploitation could lead to arbitrary code execution, memory leak, security feature bypass, and application denial of service attacks. Adobe said affected software includes Adobe DC, Adobe Reader, Adobe 2020, and Adobe Reader 2020. The Acrobat Reader fixed, fixes headlines, a busy patch Tuesday at Adobe, so you want to make sure you get those auto-updated and ready to go. 
SAP for their end rolled out more than a dozen new vulnerabilities in their August 2023 Patch Tuesday update, including a critical flaw affecting the company's power designer, data modeling, and an enterprise architecture product. SAP released 16 new patches and updated several previously released ones. The critical one, which is their hot news version of it, is the power designer flaw tracked to CV 2023-37483 is an improper access control issue that can be exploited by an unauthenticated attacker to run arbitrary queries against the backend database, according to business application security firm OneOpsys. OneOpsys noted that the same update also fixes a medium severity password disclosure issue in SAP Power Designer. So SAP has also informed customers about a patch for CV 2023-369023, a high severity code injection vulnerability in Power Designer and additional. So you want to make get your SAP's products up and running. Intel for their end released a total of 46 new security advisories informing customers of about 80 different vulnerabilities affecting firmware and software on the Intel side. The most serious of the flaw based on the CVSS score are 18 high severity issues allowing privilege escalation or in a few cases, denial of service attacks. The, vulnerability, the vulnerabilities impact the processor BIOS, chipset firmware, NOC BIOS, Unison Management Commander, NOC Kit, and Mini PC BIOS. Driver and Support Assistant AI Hackathon, ProSet Wireless Wi-Fi, and Killer Wi-Fi Knock Pro Software Suite, Easy Streaming Wizard Virtual RAID on CPU, SGX and TDX for some Zion processors, and Unite products. There's a bunch of medium severities as well. A vast majority of the flaw disclosed on Tuesday have received patches, but some of the impacted products have been discontinued, and as such, there's no support. Intel also published an advisory on Downfall, let's get into that. The new downfall attack on Intel CPU does steal encryption key and data. A senior research scientist over at Google has devised a new CPU attack to exploit a vulnerability dubbed downfall. This the vulnerability impacts multiple Intel microprocessor families, allows stealing passwords, encryption keys, and private data like email messages or banking info from users and share the same computer. Extract the CV 2022 409er. 8.2, the flaw is a transient execution side channel issue and impacts the whole processor based on Intel's microarchitecture, Skylake through Icelake. Threat actor exploiting the issue can extract sensitive information that's protected by the software guard e-extensions or the SGX. Intel's hardware-based memory encryption that separates memory code and data from software on system. SGX is currently supported only on server central processing units and offers a trusted isolated environment for software that's not even an operating system can access. Uh, Daniel Mugahami, the Google researcher who discovered a vulnerability and reported it responsibly to Intel, says that the downfall attack technique can take advantage of the gather instruction and leak the content of the internal vector register file during speculative execution. So there's that as well. Um, and downfall uh, attacks do require an attacker to be on the same physical processor core as the victim, a context that is provided by today's shared computing model, especially in data centers and in the cloud. However, a local program such as malware could potentially exploit the flaw to steal sensitive information. So Intel told Bleeping Computer that the issue doesn't impact Elder Lake, Raptor Lake, or Sapphire Rapids, and that downfall affects only three families of processor, the Sky Lake family, the Tiger Lake family, and the Ice Lake family. So those are the ones that are impacted, um, and they're trying to see if this exploit outside of a controlled lab environment would be a complex undertaking. Intel said that the customers can review the risk assessment guidance from the company and decide on disabling the microguard mitigation through mechanisms available on Windows and Linux, as well as virtual machine 
managers, leaving it up to the customer to determine the risk and the continuity. There is also software-based mitigation, eliminating the risk of downfall or GDS attacks requires a hardware redesign, which comes at a cost industry is not willing to pay. So disabling simultaneous multi-threading can partially mitigate this, this allowing effective instructions through the OS and the compiler to prevent them from leaking secrets is another one, disabling gather or preventing transient data forwarding after the gather instruction are all there as well. So there's that. An evil proxy phishing campaign targeting 120,000 Microsoft 365 users. Evil proxy is becoming one of the more popular uh, dark net phishing platforms to target MFA protected accounts. Researchers seeing 120,000 phishing emails sent to over 100 organizations to steal and take over Microsoft 365 accounts. The new research comes from Proofpoint, which warns of a dramatic surge, dramatic surge of successful cloud accounts takeover incidents in the past five months, impacting primarily high-ranking executives. The company observed a large-scale campaign supported by Evil Proxy, which which combined brand impersonation, bot detection evasion, and open redirection. The phishing as a platform that employs reverse proxies to rely authentication requests and user credentials is out live and being used as reported in September of last year by ReSecurity. Evil proxies sold to cyber criminals for around $400 a month, promising the ability to target Apple, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Twitter, GitHub, GoDaddy, and PyPy accounts. A new phishing campaign observed by Proofpoint uh, since March of this year is using the evil proxy service to send emails that impersonate popular brands like Adobe, DocuSign, and Concur. So keeping all of that in mind, these are very advanced types of attacks. They're using it for really kind of unique phishing opportunities. And again, this threat remains a very viable one. And finally, they said, let's go ahead and digitize our elections. That shouldn't be an issue. We can't even get our email right. So the UK Electoral Commission has now had a data breach that exposed eight years of voter data. The UK Electoral Commission finally disclosed the data breach that uh, anyone who re- that exposed the information of anyone who registered in the UK between 2014 and 2022. The disclosure comes 10 months after the commission first detected the breach and two years after the initial breach occurred. Really kind of bringing about the question of what took so long to report it to the public and what's going on at the UK Electoral Commission. In the public notification of the attack, the commission say they first detected the attack in October of last year and have learned that the actors were in their systems much, much earlier. In fact, in August of 2021, they went 14 months undetected. As part of the cyber attack, threat actors access the government agency servers, holding its email control systems and copies of electoral registers. They were able to access reference copies of the electoral registers held by the commission for research purposes and to enable permissibility checks on political donations. The registrar held at the time of the cyber attack included the name, address of anyone in the UK who registered to vote between 2014 and 2022, as well as the names of those registered as overseas voters. However, the exposed election register didn't contain PII of those who registered anonymously. The Electoral Commission says the exposed voter information includes first, na- uh, uh, first name and surname, email addresses, personal and or business, home addresses, uh, contact telephone number, content of the web form, and email that may contain personal data, any personal images sent to the commission, personal data contained in the registry's name, first name, and surname, home address, and date on which the person achieving voting age that year. Uh, during the attack, the threat actor had access to the email server as well, exposing any internal or external communication with the agency. The commission says the cyber attack had no impact 
on any of the election system or individual voter registration. The agency is downplaying the attack, saying no voter registration was modified and that much of it is already in the public domain. However, you know, there needs to be a bit more transparency on that. That's it for our show this morning. Tomorrow, we'll be back with a whole lot more as we wrap up, as we kind of kick off Black Hat here in just a f- short few hours. Tomorrow, day two of Black Hat. I won't be sticking around for DEF CON this year, uh, but I hear DEF CON is going to be absolutely amazing. Some great content coming your way over the weekend and next week, by the way, from stuff that we've recorded yesterday uh, with Adaptive Shield and Blindside Security. Today, we are recording with uh, Mesmo and I believe another uh, firm whose name's not coming to mind, uh, Pantera. Um, so recording with them and um, we'll be releasing all that content here in the next week. So don't go anywhere. Some really cool stuff. Thank you all for watching. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for being part of the show. From beautiful Las Vegas, I bid you all a very good day, and I hope to see you later today if you're here in Vegas. Cough, cough, cheers, y'all, and stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.